All right. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing tonight? Praise God. Welcome to Wednesday night service. We're going to have a great time studying the word tonight and worshiping Jesus. It is going to be fantastic. We're going to go ahead and start things off like we always do by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. So why don't we stand up together tonight and we can speak these words in faith and we're going to keep believing that America is coming to Jesus. Who believes that tonight? Amen. All right, let's speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. 
we declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give some praise to Jesus tonight. And you may be seated. All right, let's get into uh, our announcements here. Of course, lots going on. Now, tonight is also going to be our communion night. Uh, we're doing that on the third Wednesday of every month now. And uh, so tonight's communion, and anybody that's watching online at home, you could uh, take communion with us. Go ahead and get the elements together. And here after our praise and worship time, we're going to do communion. Praise the Lord. All right, well, this coming Sunday is going to be absolutely awesome because Ray and Janine Bench are going to be with us, all right? Yes, and so uh, they're coming in from Midland, Michigan, and of course we've been telling you all this, but uh, this is going to be raised, you know, 15th, 20th time here in Barstow with us, but uh, his wife Janine is coming for the very first time ever, and we are super, super excited, and um, one of the cool things about it is on Saturday, all right, this Saturday at 11 a.m., uh, Janine is going to be uh, ministering to all the young wives and moms, and so if you're a young mom or you got little kids, uh, come on out, it's going to be at Pastor Katie and I's house, 11 a.m., and uh, it's going to be uh, just a time of fellowship, hanging out, building each other up, of course, and uh, she's got a lot of really awesome uh, wisdom and knowledge to, to pour into you and encourage you as moms, because sometimes that's not the easiest job in the world. Am I right, ladies? Yeah, all right. <laughs> Alex, is it hard or no? Alex says it's hard. Okay, all right. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll ask the men. Men, is it hard to be a mom? Uh, ladies, I am trying my best to help you out tonight. So praise God. Uh, we'll, we'll just see what happens here, okay? And then Sunday, Ray is going to be preaching both services, so don't miss out on that. And then Monday, this coming Monday, is our Lift Family Picnic at the Park. And it's going to be at 630 at the H Street Park. So um, go ahead and, and bring out some food for your family. Bring some to share. And we're going to do some games and some activities and just have a really good time hanging out together and, and uh, fellowshipping and encouraging each other. So don't miss out on that. And uh, to start June off, we're going to be having the youth group cake auction on the very first Sunday of June. And it's not just cakes, but any dessert uh, you can bring in. We will have a sign-up sheet out probably this uh, coming Sunday. And we auction off the desserts, and it's a really fun time. We get to hang out and chill, but also on top of that, it raises money for the youth group to get to go on their summer trip. And I know they've got a couple of ideal locations they're aiming for this year, so we're going to raise enough money that they can go wherever it is that the Lord wants them to go. Can I get an amen on that tonight? Amen. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. I'm going to have Pastor come on up and do our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. And if you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. All right. Yeah, don't forget the slash. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Modern times, man, we're catching up with the program, aren't we? We always remember the slash. All right. Hold up your hands and envelope for your tithes and for your offerings. And if you 
If you do it that way, you probably don't need the slash. <laughs> All right. Let's look at Psalms 35, verse 27. Psalms 35, verse 27. I love my Bible because I know that it's God talking to me. How many receive the Bible personally as God talking to you? Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, in the times we live in, it's nice to read verses like this and uh, hear the heart of God talking to you as his child. Psalms 35, verse 27 says, Let them shout for joy. We are shouting church at happy time, right? Amen. That kind of gives you a clue right there why we do that. The Holy Spirit inspires us to shout. Amen. Get excited about the things of God. Let them shout for joy and be sad. No, be glad. Be glad. That favor my righteous cause. What is God's righteous cause? It's the same thing it's always been. He wants to get people to heaven. And the number one way, the only way to get to heaven is to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And then, of course, the book of Romans tells us that people hear about Jesus to get faith to be saved by the gospel being preached. And so when you're a Christian that has a church, you're a tither, and, you know, with the modern watching online and things like that, when you're a person, a Christian, that ties to a local church and you give offerings that you're saved by your actions, Jesus, I favor what you're doing. Amen? Favor my righteous cause. And then let the, let it says, let them say continually... Isn't that what faith's all about, what we believe and what we say? He said we're supposed to be saying continually. Why do we have to say continually? Well, uh, we have to be saying continually what we believe because the devil's continually trying to take it. Amen. He wants to steal your home, steal your job, steal your health, steal your marriage, steal anything you've got. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, uh, you know, the Bible says also that God never sleeps or slumbers, neither does the devil. And so we just need to stay with our heart and our mouth hooked up all the time. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure when his children have a hard time. No. says he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Of his servant. And I was thinking about that a while ago. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, the people of God were servants. There wasn't sons and daughters. There were no sons and daughters of God until the New Testament would become born again. Then we're sons and daughters after we get born again, then we become children of God. And so think about this. If say say for example that you're an employer, do you get more joy out of your own kids prospering or the people that work for you? You want you want you want your employees to prosper, but how much more the children? And so think about this. This this is the old this is the Old Testament, and the New Testament is better according to the book of Hebrews. And so if God wanted the servants to prosper, how much more are the children? But you know what? We as children of God have to cooperate with God's plan. He says we're supposed to say continually, God gets pleasure when I prosper. And I'll tell you what, again, no matter how much gas goes up, keep on tithing. You keep on giving. You keep on talking. And one more thing I'll throw at you. You know, the world's got stuff that they think sounds pretty good. They say, is the glass half full or half empty? Well, you know what Jesus says in Psalms 23? He says, my glass runneth over. 
So we need to change our thinking. Get out of that half full or half empty business. Get into the cup runneth over business. Amen. Always got more than enough. My bank account's always got more than enough. My, my gas tank's always got more than enough. Always got more than enough for food. And the shortage business, remember when Israel was in Egypt for 40 years and they wandered through the wilderness? God was their provider. Well, right now, if you need baby formula, God's your provider. If you've got grandchildren somewhere right now, if you've got sons and daughters across the land that they're looking for formula, remind them God's their provider. And so it all has to do with what we believe and what we say. And I just think about all the different things that I've seen in the Bible in my own life that we will keep our mouths right, keep our hearts right. And just, I want to say this again. God doesn't mince words. He said, let them say occasionally. Let them say when they really get backed up against the wall. Let them say if it gets too tough, I think God might help me. No, he said, you be talking all the time. God wants to be blessed. God wants to be blessed. And I want blessed, so I'm blessed. Amen. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. All right, let's stand up. We'll make our financial faith confession. And, you know, that's that's one good reason why we do this financial faith confession, because we know that God wants us to talk about it. We have what we say. All right, together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to give justice in the kingdom of God and take good care of my family and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I wrote that so I can change it if I want to. <laughs> Okay, join us at the altar and let's worship the Lord together tonight. Let's not sting, stop singing for His glory. Amen. the divide lost in our sin you may 
For me, for me, only Jesus for me. Of this world, but never. 
Let's just raise our hands for just a minute tonight. Lord, we love you. And Lord, that needs to be our heart's cry, our, our heart's prayer tonight, God, that nothing else in this world could satisfy. Why are we even chasing? Why are we even trying to fill voids with, with meaningless things, God? We know that you are the only thing that can fulfill us. You are the only thing that can complete us, Father. And we love you. And, and hear our hearts tonight, Lord, that we want more and more of you less and less of us, Jesus. Draw us closer to you. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, tonight is our communion uh, night, being uh, uh, the third Wednesday, as I said. So if you're here in the house, why don't you just go ahead and come on up and start getting the elements. Uh, of course, you don't have to be a member of High Desert Word Center to take communion. Uh, you just need to be a member of the family of God. You need to be a born-again Christian. And I encourage you, if you're watching at home, uh, go ahead and take communion with us tonight. We'd love for you to do that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. on Wednesdays. We're a little more pressed for time, but I want to look at a verse here tonight before we take our communion in Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm going to look at verse 19, and, and you know, there, it's a very important for us to realize the magnitude of the blood of Jesus. Under the old covenant, uh, you know, you had to go through the priest, and he had to do the talking to God for you, and, and, and they had to make a sacrifice for your sin, and it was never good enough. Uh, it was always imperfect, and so they had to go make a sacrifice again next time around uh, to help cleanse you of your sins. But then there came what we call the perfect Lamb of God, and it was Jesus Christ, and he laid his life down. But Hebrews 10 and verse 19, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, 
we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Now you read that and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But you know, you don't get that, that there's no way in the world that you could have approached God on your own before Jesus came. Listen, you had to go through the priest and, and, and even the priest one time a year got to go into the holy of holies one time a year to help atone for the sins. But you as a born again Christian, because of Jesus can go into the most holy place any day of the week, any time. And it's not because of how good you are. It's because of how perfect Jesus is. And so I love talking about the blood of Jesus. It's really, really, really good news. Verse 20 says, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right in to the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And so we are clean tonight if we've received Jesus and if we're counting on his righteousness and on his goodness. And so that's why we take communion. That's why we celebrate communion. Now, first Corinthians chapter 11, which is the famous communion chapter that we almost always read out of. Um, it, it tells us this, it tells us here in uh, verse 29, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup of, uh, Without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some people have even died because they're disrespecting the body and blood of Jesus. Do not do that. And so verse 31 says, but if we would examine or judge ourselves, we would not be judged by the Lord in this way. And so what we always do is we take a few minutes before communion and we examine ourselves. We judge our own selves. And that's what we're going to do right now. You and God, uh, we're going to talk to the Lord on our own. And if there's something that you need to deal with and get right, now's the time. Yeah, if there's something you need to repent of and, and let go of, now is the time. And if the Lord's speaking to your heart and you're like, I know that I'm wrong in this area, but I'm not willing to give it up. I'm not willing to change. Then, hey, you have that option. But I caution you to not take communion if you're not willing to repent and, uh, and do things God's way. But anyway, let's take a minute here to judge ourselves. So we're going to read what the Apostle Paul wrote here in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, 
the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so as we take the bread tonight, we do this to remember Jesus and remember that his body was broken. And we know, as we're told, that by his stripes, by his wounds, we have been healed. Let's take and receive this tonight. Thank you, Jesus. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. And so, Lord, we take this juice tonight, and we know that this symbolizes your blood, which paid the price for our sins and gave a new covenant to us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for our new covenant. It's a better covenant with better promises because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord some praise tonight together? Amen. All right. Well, you may be seated this evening. I know the ushers are probably going to come and grab the communion cups from you there and uh, and all that. But praise the Lord. Isn't it nice to be able to take communion uh, even in the middle of the week like this? And, uh, and, and receive that and enjoy it. Praise God. All right. Well, we are going to get into the word tonight. And as you know, on Wednesday nights, it's called the hour of power. And so we try to fit as much power into one hour as we can. And we're going to get into it tonight. But, uh, tonight, what we're going to be talking about is this. The title of the message is Liar, Liar. What? Pants on fire. Come on. <laughs> and we're talking about, uh, check it out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The graphics there. Amen. So we're talking about liar, liar, pants on fire. And you know, if you're a liar, you're maybe, you know, squirming in your seat right now. I'm not focusing on you tonight. All right. So, uh, we're not talking about you, but what we are talking about is Satan for a few minutes. And what I'm doing is we're exposing him. All right. We're not talking about him in a way to say you ought to be scared or, or, oh, he's so bad. I don't like to sit around and talk about how bad the devil is. I know some people are like, man, that old devil, he's up to it this week. He's coming at me with everything he's got. And I don't want to talk about all that nonsense. What I want to talk about is exposing him. And you need to see and get the revelation that some of the things that come against you, some of even some of the thoughts that are attacking your mind are thoughts from the enemy. And you've got to recognize that and quit believing it. Does anybody in here know anybody that would maybe, uh, what we would call like a compulsive liar? You ever met someone like that? And it's like everything they say is lie, and they lie so much that they just pretty much believe it themselves, and they can't remember what the last thing was they told you. I know that in high school, we there was a, a kid in my uh, class that the dude just lied about everything, and the lies were not even close to believable. You know, he would tell us stuff like, yeah, I've got a Corvette, I've got a Mustang, I've actually got a Lamborghini, and I've got, and he'd tell us about all these wild cars, and yeah, my dad just bought a helicopter, and and, and just the most ab- absurd nonsense, it was so far from believable, so one day, me and the boys got together, we're like, let's just show up to his house so we can see all of these cool toys, and of course we got there, 
none of the items were there, but they were all in the shop that day, which is, you know, it's, it's just cool. But what I'm saying is there's some people that you know that they're just, you can't, you can't trust anything they say. And if there's people like that, you better know right now that the real enemy, the devil, is like that. And how can you tell that he's lying? Well, anything that he says to you is a lie. And what I'm talking about tonight is this, is that too many Christians sit there and listen to and start to believe his lies. I don't do that. Sure you do. You sit there and think, man, you're no good. Oh, you're ugly. That, oh, that man, every, everyone there is better than you. And, and you're never going to make it. You'll never get that job. You'll never get healing. You'll never. And all of this stuff is lies. And you begin to buy into it and receive it for yourself. And that's what I'm trying to stop you from doing tonight. And so we're going to look at a few things here about exposing the enemy for who he is. And we're going to show you how you can know if it's the truth or if it's a lie. Who would like to know how to determine and decipher between the truth and lies? Well, we're going to show you that tonight and a whole bunch more. So let's go ahead and I'm going to pray and we're going to dig right into God's word. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word. And Lord, we know that your word is truth. And so we can trust everything that you say because you are truth. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody can come to the Father except through you, Jesus. And so I pray tonight that we will open our hearts to your word and receive everything you've got. Thank you, Jesus, for the victory in our lives. In Jesus' name, can we say amen tonight? All right. Number one is this. Number one. Hey, Satan has been a liar since the beginning. Satan's been a liar since the very beginning of time. And why am I saying that? Well, I got to show you something, but let's go ahead and let's turn to Genesis chapter three. But you need to know that he's really good at, at what he does because he's done it for so long. He's been lying since the very beginning. But let's go all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible here in Genesis chapter three. And, uh, and what we've got here is the story, of course, of, uh, Adam and Eve. And Satan coming and deceiving them. And it's just a, it's not a very fun, fun thing to look at here. But of course, up until this time, Adam and Eve, they had control of it all. They were running the garden there and God had given Adam this job to do. And things were going good until they bought in to the devil's lies. Genesis chapter three. And we're going to look here at verses one through five. And what we have is a, a, a snake, the serpent at the time was a, a creature here and Satan of course entered into the serpent and spoke through him and to this day I do not trust snakes ever again all right I, I, feel, I feel I've got biblical basis but anyway some of you like them so whatever Genesis 3 and verses 1 through 5 the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made one day he asked the woman did God really say you must not eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And that's true. God told them, hey, there's a million trees here. You can eat the fruit from any of these trees in the entire garden, the entire world. There's just one tree 
that's, don't touch that tree. Stay away from that one tree. And that doesn't seem too unreasonable to me. Does that seem unreasonable? That seems very reasonable that I can have anything else out there. Just stay away from this one thing. And so look here at what the, the serpent says. Psh, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And so what do we have here? We have got the enemy, the devil, the serpent, right from the very beginning of time, just so cunningly, so deceptively coming in and and deceiving God's people. Now, up until this point in time, there was no death. Death was not even a thing up until this point in time. And and so Satan tells her, hey, you're not going to die. What are you talking about? And one thing that you've got to realize that as you mature as a Christian is Satan and even uh, misguided people will mix just little tiny possible elements of, of truth, little things in with it. And, 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 and that helps you to swallow the bait. And so, yes, the truth was they weren't going to drop dead as soon as they touched the fruit. But what would happen is this, that they would begin the dying process. And sometimes, even to this day, we know that God's saying, hey, stay away from that. Don't, don't touch that. You don't need that. And we're like, well, I touched it and nothing happened. Okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll get a little closer to it. And we get closer and closer. And sure, yeah, the second you touch it, you don't drop dead. But the more and more and more that you begin to get into that, whatever it is, the more it kills you. And eventually, yeah, it'll steal everything that God had for you. It'll steal your family. It'll steal your joy. It'll steal everything because it does kill you. Sin does kill. Now, look at what Satan does here. We saw there in verse 4, he mocks God. He said, She says, no, God said that if we do that, you're, you're going to die. He's like, <laughs> you're not, oh my gosh, you actually believe that? Wow. <laughs> You're crazier than I thought. You're not going to die. And that sounds like people in our world in this day and age. You're like, yeah, I know. The, well, the Bible says this. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you actually believe that? Oh, my gosh. Whoa, you're crazy. You're, you're, you're farther out there than I thought you were, man. Wow, that's wild that you would believe. And what it, he tries to make the commands and the word of God seem crazy and unreasonable and, and just so far out there. And she probably starts thinking, is kind of silly, isn't it? And I'll bet there's things in your life that at one point in time, you're like, no, 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 I, I, I know what the Bible says on that. And people will come in and, 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 and through the devil and plant little seeds in your mind like, you really believe that? Oh my gosh, are you serious? That oh. And after a while, if you, don't, if you don't reject the lies, you'll start thinking to yourself, that is a little bit silly, isn't it? Why, I, that is unreasonable. And there's so many things in our day and age, 2022, that are absolutely bonkers, that are crazy, nonsense, wicked things. And when you stand up and say, no, 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 I, I'm sorry, that goes against that my beliefs, that goes against the word of God, I'm a Christian. And people say, you are absolutely, you're the crazy one. We can't believe you. You've got to reject the lies because sin will kill you. And what happened here whenever they did partake of the fruit? It brought in a separation between them and God. And there was now a wedge 
and a gap between them and God because they bought the lie. And so what I'm going to tell you right now is something that's very important. I believe that Satan's ultimate goal isn't to just strike you dead and kill you right now. His ultimate goal is to separate you from God. Because what happens if I die right now and I'm in good standing with Jesus? What happens? Man, you kidding me? It's a promotion. I just go to heaven, dude. I get to leave all this mess behind. That's, I mean, that, I heard somebody say, you can't threaten the Christian with death. It's a promotion for us. We get to go to heaven. It's a, you know, Paul said this way. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He said, it's far better for me to die and go to heaven. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that, you know, you should want to die right now. You should want to live out your days for Jesus. But at the same time, death doesn't scare us like it does other people because we know where we're going someday. And so if Satan just knocks off a born on fire, born again, Christian that's living gung ho for Jesus. Well, I mean, he's taken away one mouthpiece for God, but at the same time, that's not his ultimate goal. It's to separate you from Jesus. And there are people I know there's people I went to Bible college with that have turned their backs on Jesus and don't serve him now. And they mock me and they mock other Christians like you. Swear, I promise you right now, there are people that I sat side by side with for years studying the Bible at the college level every day. And right now, if I were to say any of this to them, like, oh my gosh, you guys are nuts. Don't believe it. And it's crazy to me. But what do they do? It starts off with just buying one little lie from the devil. And once he gets you hooked on one line, then you start believing the others. And it will eventually separate you from God. And then, man, then it's on. That's when he would love to pick you off right then because you're no longer at a place where you're in right standing with God. Maybe now, hey, if you die off at that point, you may be going to hell. I don't know. That's, you know, depending on what level you've rejected Jesus at. But that would be his ultimate goal. Look at Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. Are you with me tonight? The truth is important. The truth is absolutely important, and you are not going to get the truth from the devil. Absolutely not. He has been a liar since the very beginning, all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Now let's look at something here. Luke chapter 22, and we're going to look here at verses 31 through 32. I'm going to read this in the New King James here. But Luke 22, verses 31 through 32, and I know this much that... I don't want anything to do with the devil or his lies, man. I want Jesus. We just sang that. Give me Jesus. Amen. I don't need anything else. So Luke 22, we're going to look here at verses 31 through 32. And this is a, this has always been a, just a, a passage that's really, I don't know, it's really done something for me. But Luke 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, he's talking to Peter. Peter, hey. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. What does that mean? What does sift mean? Well, the sifting process, the word literally means to separate from that which is useful. So what is, Jesus is telling Satan, or he's telling Peter, hey, Peter, listen to me. Satan has asked to separate you from everyone else. And, uh, and, and the sifting process is a violent shaking 
I used to work in, you know, in a, in a food uh, industry, and we had to sift the wheat sometimes, and we would just shake it real hard to separate it from everything else. And sometimes in your life, Satan's not just coming in to blow you up. He's coming and he's shaking you and trying to separate you and seeing if he can get you to just let go and be like, you know what? I tap out. I give, you know, whatever. Anything's going to be easier than this. I'm out of here. And Jesus said, Hey, Peter, I'm telling you right now, I already see it. Satan has desired. He has already asked to sift you and shake you up as hard as he can. But listen to me, Peter, listen to me. I'm telling you this right now that I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith should not fail. And when you've returned to me, you're going to strengthen your brethren. And so sometimes people come to me and they're like, man, it seems like one thing after another. It's just every which direction it's coming at me. And I'm like, hey, I've got the answer. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I'm praying for you that your faith will fail not. And you're going to come through this stronger. And you're going to strengthen your brothers and sisters when this is all over. But don't give in. Don't tap out. Don't walk away. And thank God Peter didn't. And he had some bad stuff happen. I mean, come on. He denied Jesus Christ three times in one night. It was bad what he did. But thank God he came back to Jesus. Jesus forgave him, gave him another chance. And thank you, Jesus, that, that Peter was used in ways that, I mean, are just beyond our comprehension, all right? And so you need to know we're talking about lying, that Satan has been a liar since the beginning. And then the second thing tonight is this. Everything Satan says is a lie. He's gonna, he's gonna lie to you. Everything he says is a lie. Look at John 8 and verse 44. John 8 and verse 44. Are you still with me tonight? So I'm telling you that if you have been feeling depressed, if you've been feeling down, if you've been feeling just your peace being shaken and, and everything else, I'll bet that Satan's been throwing lies at your mind and you've probably just been sitting there listening to him. I ain't letting that happen anymore. My mind is not the devil's playground. Amen. I'm going to put up a fight and I'm going to reject that mess. But John 8, and look at at, at verse 44 here. And so uh, Jesus is, uh, he's got a pretty harsh conversation with some of his haters right here. But but I want to get to the to a bigger point. So Jesus is telling them, for you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. How much truth is in Satan? None. There's no truth in him at all. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar. And he is what? The father of lies. He's a, everything he does is all about lies and deception. He's going to try to get you to doubt the goodness of God. He's going to try to get you to doubt the word of God. He's going to try to get you to hate yourself, hate everybody around you, and be full of hate because it's all the exact opposite of what God is. Because what is God? God is love. First John 4, verse 7 and 8. God is love. And so I'm going to tell you right now that if you're having thoughts that are contrary to the word of God, it's a lie from Satan. And until you get this, you're in for it. I'm telling you, 
if you are having thoughts that are contrary to the word of God, it's a lie from Satan. So, for example, you're having health problems and thoughts come to you and say, no, not this. This is it. You, you, yeah, yeah, you got healed last time. Yeah, but no, this is it. This is going to be the one to take you out. What is that? That's a lie. Why? Because I've got 500 verses right now that we could quote to you that say that Jesus came to take our sickness and remove our disease. Matthew 8, 17. Exodus 15, 26 says, I am the Lord who heals you. Psalm 107, verse 20 says, He sent His word and healed them of all their disease and delivered them from their affliction. I'm telling you right now that if Satan comes to my mind and says, No, you ain't getting your healing this time. I know that that is a lie and I'm going to fight it with the word of God. Now, somebody that doesn't know any better, they'll sit there and think, yeah, you're right. Uh, Yeah, this is it. This is, yeah, I I got it last time, but it ain't happening this time. What about if you're having money trouble and the thoughts get, come to you like, yeah, well, everyone's getting it and it, and you're, you know, not this time. You're going to, yeah, and and you start having visions of yourself, you know, on having to, uh, you know, beg. Start having visions of yourself having to sell everything off. Start having visions of yourself uh, having to be poor and your kids begging and, and all this crazy stuff. What is that? That's a lie from the devil. You gotta fight that stuff. And you'll start sitting there thinking and, and receiving this into your life. But you gotta fight back against his lies. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And of course, on and on we could list financial prosperity verses. Maybe your kids are acting up and it seems like they're wandering away from the Lord. And in your mind, you start saying, no, you know, they always, they're, they're, they're not going to make it. They're not going to. And, and, you know, people say dumb things to me. It's always the preacher's kids that are the craziest ones. Man. You know how many times I've heard that in my life? I, all the time, even to this day. And I'm like, well, here I am, 36. Yeah, I've, I've been stupid sometimes. But I've never let go of Jesus, and my dad was a pastor. So not every preacher's kid has to go be crazy and wild and stupid. You know, there's eight of us in my family, and we're all good people. You know, I'm not not tooting our horn, but I'm saying we didn't go out there and go crazy like they said they have to. And so I'm telling you right now, when the devil comes and plants thoughts in your mind that your kids aren't going to stay with Jesus, that your kids are going to be wild and crazy and stupid, you don't buy those thoughts. What do you do? You speak the word of God. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So how can you spot a lie? Anything that's contrary to the word of God is a lie. Like, well, yeah, but this is straight facts right here. Okay. I believe in facts, but I believe in something even better. I believe in the truth because facts can change. Think about that. The facts can change. You know, uh, maybe it's factual right now that you've got this going on, but tomorrow maybe that's gone and it's no longer a fact that you have that. You know, we see this all the time in the sports world. Some guy maybe becomes the all-time leading scorer. Factually, right now, he is. But then next year, someone passes him. So facts are, they changed. He ain't the leading scorer anymore, right? And so the fact may be right now that you've got this going on, but the facts can always change. But guess what? Never changes. The truth. So the truth can change the facts because the truth 
never, ever changes. And you better love the truth of God's word because it doesn't change. Now, what we're going to do here is compare and contrast God and the devil. When I was in uh, college, I had to write this compare and contrast essay and compare, you know, compare one thing to the other. And Pastor Katie and I were in the same class. And so she picked some real deep philosophical topic. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do something boring. So I wrote an entire college paper comparing Taco Bell to Taco Bueno. And uh, it was a restaurant. And anyway, yeah, I got an A. Don't ask her what she got because she's still a little salty about that. But anyway, let's, uh, anyway, let's compare Satan and God. So check this out. This will be on the screen here. Listen, Satan can't tell the truth. John 8.44 says that there is no truth in him. Everything he says is a lie. But on the other hand, God cannot tell a lie. Satan can't tell the truth, but God cannot tell a lie. And uh, just for the sake of time, I won't turn the Titus 1-2 says, In hope of eternal life, to which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God cannot lie. It's not that God chooses not to lie and say, Well, it wouldn't be nice to lie. I'm God, so I, I'm going to choose not to lie. God can't. It's impossible. Everything he says is true. If all of a sudden God says, From now on, the sky will be the color green, then boom. It's going to happen because everything he says is true because he can not lie. How about this? Satan hates the truth. Why does he hate it so much? Because if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. John chapter 8, the truth will set you free. And Satan doesn't want you to be free. He likes having you in his grasp. He likes keeping you addicted. He likes keeping you held bondage in fear. He likes keeping you sick. He likes keeping you poor. Satan just loves to keep you his little prisoner. And so why does Satan despise the truth so much? Because when somebody gets a hold of the truth, they are set free when they receive it. And Satan no longer can control you like he used to. And so he's going to fight the truth at every possible corner in your life. He does not want you knowing that God wants you to prosper. He wants you to think that God wants you to be poor. I'm telling you that right now. He doesn't want you to know that it's by Jesus stripes you've been healed. He wants you to stay sick. He doesn't want you to know that the joy of the Lord is your strength. He wants you sad and depressed and angry. But the truth will set you free. And so Satan hates truth. And check it out. God, on the other hand, God hates lies. I'm telling you, it's not that God just doesn't like lies. God absolutely hates lies. For the sake of time, again, the verse is on there, but... Proverbs 6, 16, and 17, some people list these verses as the seven deadly sins. But I'm just going to read a couple of the verses. I don't know if I put it on the screen or not. But it says, there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things that he detests. And so there's a list of seven things. I'm not going to read all seven of them. But some of the things that God absolutely detests, haughty eyes. Well, I was always told I had nice eyes and that they were hot. But no, I'm not talking about haughty eyes. It means Pride, somebody that looks at others with pride and looks down on people. He hates that. He hates a lying tongue. Number two, the third thing he lists are hands that kill the innocent. Again, I'm not going to go into the whole abortion thing, but God hates abortion. There you go. But uh, what I'm saying today is this, though, that the very second thing 
that it lists here things that God hates. God hates and detests a lying tongue. Why does God hate it so much? It's the exact opposite of who he is. Because again, John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so Satan, he doesn't want you to see yourself like God sees you. He wants you to see yourself as a, a loser, as nothing, as somebody that's not going to make it. He wants you to see your family as, you know, though my problem is my wife. <laughs> my problem is my husband. These kids, I don't. He wants you to just see everything through a warped, skewed, negative outlook. And I'm telling you right now, you know, it, it's funny. If you, everybody has a lens. Everybody has a lens that they view the world through. And if, if I were to put a red lens in front of my glasses, everything would look red to me. And so we could be looking at the exact same thing, and you'd look at it and say, oh, yeah, I see that. Here's how I see it. I'm like, yeah, I, I see it as being red. We're looking at the same thing, but because of the lens that I view everything through, I view it entirely different than you. And, you know, that, you know, whatever to that. But at the same time, if you've got negative lenses that you view the entire world through if you've got victim lenses where every you see everything as well they're just picking on you because you're the poor victim and no one's got it as bad as you and blah 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 you'll view every situation that way if you view the entire world through the lens of poverty through the then you'll hate rich people i hate rich people there blah 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 you view everything through this if you view everything through the lens of being a christian in god's word You'll look at situations entirely different than everybody else. You may see a bad situation and say, yeah, that does look bad, but whoa, there's a chance for a miracle right here. Look at this. This is incredible. When David fought Goliath, everybody else saw, oh my gosh, this is the biggest and worst problem that we have ever faced. And David shows up with his lenses and says, whoa, a giant. This is the greatest opportunity that has ever been presented to us. How do you view things? If you view things through the lens and the light of God's word, you'll maybe be presented with difficult situations, but you'll say, oh my gosh, dude, when we get this miracle breakthrough in this situation, we're going to have the biggest testimony Barstow's ever seen. Wow, what an opportunity. But it's all up to you on how you view things. What lens do you view the world through? And I'm telling you right now, you need to look at every situation through the light of God's word. Look at it through the light of God's word. You, It'll change your entire life. If you are naturally prone to negativity, because I, I get it. Some people are just very, you know, by their disposition, by their nature, they view everything, you know, through a negative lens. And I'm not putting down on that. Some people are like that. But I encourage you that it does not have to stay that way. You can start to view things and, you know, through, through how do they say, is the glass half empty or half full? Well, hey, you know, maybe everything used to look half empty, but my dad quoted earlier, Psalm 23. He says, my cup runneth over. You could start viewing things positively. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I, and I get it. Some people, they, they enjoy, you know, this sort of outlook on life. But I don't. And I'm not going to be like that. I want to view everything through the light of God's word and through truth. All right. That went over really big. So let's go to point number three. <laughs> number three, we're going to say tonight, is you've got to resist the devil. He's bringing lies. 
you've got to resist the devil. You know, when a package comes to your door, you don't have to receive it. You realize that, right? You have the absolute right, even if your name's on it, even if it's gift wrapped to you, you could say, you know what, I'm not receiving it. I don't want it. Take it back. And, you know, most of the time we want, you know, what we've ordered and what's coming our way. But what if a package came, your name was on it, and you saw who it was from? There's probably some people that I would not receive a package from, right? Am I the only one? <laughs> There's some people like, oh, wait, he sent it? I don't, I, don't, I don't want that. Take it back. Return to sender. I refuse it. I reject it. I resist it. And so if you've got things coming to you and you're like, oh, wait, no, I know that's from the devil. Don't receive that package. Resist it. Return it to the sender. Well, how do you do that? I'm really glad somebody asked that tonight because I wanted to answer the question. James 4, verse 7. Man, inquisitive people in here. James 4 and verse 7. But how do you resist? How do you reject? How do you push back? James 4. We're going to look at verse 7. You still with me? So James 4. And I know i got to speed up because we're right here on our time here. James 4 and verse 7. I'll read it in the New King James. It says, Therefore... Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Does it say he might flee from you? It says he will flee from you. Now, there's a lot of things you got to get out of this verse right here, but what's the first thing you need? Because I know a lot of people are like, yeah, man, I tried that and it didn't work. I resisted the devil. Okay, well, let's get real here. If you really want the truth of the matter, the first thing it says to do is, Submit yourself to God. There's a whole lot of people that are not submitted to God, but they're out there. Well, I resist the devil. I resist him. And he keeps coming. Well, it doesn't work that way. Step one, submit yourself to God. Well, what does submit mean? Submit means to submerge your will to his. All right. So what is a submarine to do? A submarine, it submerges. It goes below. And so if you are in a situation and there's your will and God's will, What does submit mean? It means you sub, you go below, you push your will down and go beneath and do it God's way. Until we submit to God, going around resisting the devil is not going to work. And so, I mean, that's not not what everybody wants to hear, but it's the truth of the matter. When we submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil. And believe me, he has to flee. Now, does it say to have Jesus resist the devil for you? That's not a trick question. The verse is right there. Does it say to have, does it say to have Jesus resist the devil? Does it say to have Pastor Dave resist the devil for you? Does it say to get somebody else? No, it's the, the understood subject of this sentence is you. You submit to God. You resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so I am encouraging you tonight that when his lies show up, resist them and reject them in the name of Jesus. How do you do it? You say, I know in Jesus name, I resist that. I reject that. There's a Bible word that we use. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I don't receive that. The word of God says this, and then you pull out a scripture. Now for the sake of time, I was going to go here. Just please write this down. I don't have time, but Matthew chapter four, verses three through 11. And what this is, is the story of what is called the temptation of Jesus. Matthew 4, 3 through 11. 
And so Jesus had just been baptized. And, uh, and then he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted. He did not eat any food for 40 days and 40 nights. At the end of this fast, Satan shows up. And why? Because Jesus was, uh, I mean, he, he's in a human body. I, people lose sight of this that, yeah, well, he was Jesus. He probably could have gone the whole 33 years and never ate anything. No, he had to eat food or he would have died. He had to drink water. He had to sleep while he was here on earth. He, he chose to come down and become like one of us so he could relate to us, right? And so Jesus came down and he was in this body. And so he goes 40 days and Satan shows up. He's like, oh man, if I've ever got a point that I could trip Jesus up, he's at his weakest right now. And so here's Jesus 40 days and he comes up and he starts throwing out temptations to him. And he's like, oh man, you must be hungry. Wow. Hey, well, if you really are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Just do it. And, and Jesus what if, what if Jesus, you realize if you've gone 40 days without food and you just start eating loaves of bread, what that would do to your body? That would jack you up. Your body, if you've gone 40 days without food, man, you better start off real small getting back into food because eating a whole bunch of heavy bread, that would absolutely messed his system up. It could have done all sorts of things. But even worse than that, it would have meant that Jesus listened to and submitted to and obeyed the devil. And so Jesus says, no, 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 Satan, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so what did Jesus do? He answered the devil's lies with the word of God. And then Satan comes back again and and he, he does two more things to him. I'll let you read the whole story for yourself. But all three times Jesus responds with quoting scripture. And so this is to be our pattern and our example. Because believe me, if the devil's going to try to mess with Jesus, oh yeah, he's going to try to throw some things at you too. Don't think that he won't. He will. But the good news is, is that Jesus gave us the textbook of how to handle it. Anytime Satan tries to bring in this, these lies and this, the, the, all this deception, what do you do? You respond with the word of God. And well, how do you do that? Well, you're going to have to know some scripture if you're going to be able to use it. And so that's why we are called High Desert Word Center. And we try to get the Bible to you every possible way we can so you know some scripture for yourself. But I got to bring it all in for a landing tonight because I'm out of time here. But what I'm saying tonight is this, is that, yeah, anything that comes to you that's contrary to God's word, that's a lie from the devil. You do not have to receive it. You can submit to God. You can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Who's done listening to the devil's lies tonight? Amen. I'm ready to listen to Jesus and receive his word. Amen. Let's stand up together. Can we do that? Hallelujah. Let's stand up together tonight. Praise God. Did we receive that word? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, I'm going to have Josh lead us in a worship song here as we start to close things out. But if you are here and you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you tonight. Maybe maybe you've been having some uh, issues with the enemy trying to, to throw you off or trying to uh, bring depression or some other nonsense against you. We want to pray for you tonight. We want to stand in faith with you. But anyway, let's go ahead. Josh, lead us in some worship. If you need prayer, come on up. Just you let my heart want for nothing but you. 
for me Only Jesus Let my heart want for nothing But you, just you Let my heart want for nothing But you, just you The riches of this world Could never satisfy Let my heart want for only you Alright, praise the Lord Well, we're going to go ahead and close things out tonight and uh, I mean, we who who had a good time receiving the word of God tonight? Amen. I believe that was for all of us. The Lord's trying to get our attention there. Amen. Well, we're going to close things out. Um, but Miss Susan, uh, let me want me to let all of you know that uh, first of all, today is Robert's thirty fifth birthday. So, everybody, Robert. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe a few years on top of that. But uh, but anyway, you know, speaking of lies, wow, that was a doozy. <laughs> Sorry, Robert. Anyway, um, but here's the deal. Uh, normally, we don't, you know, just go announce this stuff. But uh, there, we do have a uh, Susan has provided a little cake back there and a little reception for Robert because his birthday is on a Wednesday. So anybody's invited to stay back there and uh, and go uh, give Robert a bit. He likes hugs. That's probably the number one thing he wants. Give him a hug and have some cake and some punch with him. Okay, so praise the Lord. All right, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. And we are going to do our Barstow Faith Confession. And then we're going to get on out of here. And remember, if you're a young, uh, young moms, listen, uh, this Saturday, 11 a.m. at Pastor Katie and I's house, we've got our special guest uh, coming in all the way from Michigan to speak to you ladies. So come on out. Don't miss out on this opportunity, moms. All right. Saturday at 11 a.m. If you need the details or the address, I will give it to you, but I will not post it on the Internet. There's weird people out there. All right. Here we go. Let's uh, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word tonight. And we thank you, Jesus, that the truth will set us free. And so we receive the truth in the name of Jesus. Jesus, and Lord, we resist any lies from the enemy. We thank you, Lord, that we're leaving tonight. We're victorious. We are healed. We are prosperous. And we're doing everything you've called us to do. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, let's speak these words of faith over Barstow. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll see you this weekend.